are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Tuesday, a game day for your New Orleans Pelicans on the road to take on the Phoenix Suns TNT primetime game. We'll preview that in the third segment of today's show. But I want to get into the defense first. It's been three games. There's some caveats with that. But I want to take a look at what's the opponent's shot profile look like? What are the Pelicans doing that's working? What isn't working so far? And really dive into the numbers with y'all and explain what's going out there on the court. Then we're going to touch on the rotation. Is it smart to play Jackson Hayes 17 minutes or so? Do they need to go a little bit deeper? All of those questions I'll have answers for you in the second segment. And then, as I said, third segment, we will preview tonight's game. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So defense was the biggest issue the Pelicans needed to address this season, obviously. And they've done a good job through these first three games. So before we get into anything else, you guys have heard me try and explain some of these stats and numbers that I use and give you a little bit more context on them before. One thing I'm going to do right now is it's tough to evaluate much within three games of the year. There's so much variance in there. One little stretch by an opponent can really throw off some numbers. So while they're records of what happened, it's not necessarily something you want to draw a ton of conclusions from. These are things that basically can change any sort of numbers on a game-to-game basis. I'm seeing people use on-off numbers right now. I'm seeing offense and defensive ratings to try and make sweeping kind of I don't know. Generalizations do not do that right now. You will make a mistake looking at some of these statistics and trying to draw conclusions from them right now. But we're going to look at some numbers today, but I'm going to put them in the proper context for you all to kind of understand what's going on with this team, why some things are happening, why some things aren't happening and what's going on with the defense. So let's dive in. So we talked and have talked before about what the Pelicans defensive game plan is. We, we spoke about this in yesterday's show, particularly because some of the flaws with it were evidence against the Miami Heat, though that's just a really bad matchup for it. Take away shots at the rim. Give up three pointers if you have to, but ideally not to good shooters. Like It's pretty simple, right? Shots at the rim were the most efficient shot in the game. You would take that over a three pointer every single time. Then it comes to three. Po- then it comes to corner three, which is second most efficient shot. Then three pointer. Then that mid range, and you can kind of drill down from there. But you want to eliminate shots at the rim. That is basically a hallmark of Stan Van Gundy and opponent and his defenses. They struggled with this in preseason. Their shot profile was not good. But through the first three games, they're actually doing a pretty good job of this. The Pelicans, who have the fifth ranked defense according to NBA.com, um, ha- give up the third fewest field goal attempts, shots, basically, in the restricted area. They're giving up 18.3 per game. The Washington Wizards are giving up the fewest at 14.3. So the Pelicans rank third there. Teams are shooting 76.4% against them in those scenarios, but because you're limiting so many chances at the rim, it's not doing a ton of damage. Teams are just making 14, exactly, shots in the restricted area against the Pelicans per game. That puts them ranked fourth. So they're right in that area of playing pretty good defense on the interior. Even if you're giving up a high percentage of shot, uh, a high shooting percentage, you're at least minimizing the damage that it can do. This is good. 
you know, you're limiting the damage that can be done to you there. And you're forcing teams to at least take less efficient shots than that. And the Pelicans are doing a good job of that. If you look at mid-range shots, the Pelicans are right around the middle of the pack or so when it comes to trying to get teams to shoot those. They're not doing an amazing job, but they're right in the close towards that middle third. They're really right around like 20th or so in the league here, giving up 10.3 per game. The interesting thing comes to the three-point shot. And they're also pretty good at, at forcing you into those kind of bad long like short mid-range shots that don't actually have a high field goal percentage they're they're giving up 16 shots in the paint but not the restricted area per game seems like that should be good right except teams shoot 42 percent 41.7 percent against the pelicans in that scenario that shot is just like not a good shot even if you're kind of close i think it's because you can't really elevate on those and bigs are close enough by where you can tend to swat the ball away or kind of force an an altered shot or something like that. There's just less space in there. This is going to get into something that we're going to tie in. Those shots are closely contested, whereas other shots aren't. So teams shoot poorly when you're kind of in all that muck of bodies down in the paint and all of that. So the Pelicans have a pretty decent shot profile in terms of that. Where they start to struggle, though, is in terms of the three-point shot. And that's where this could burn the Pelicans. This is one of those things where the defensive game plan is sound. And this is what Milwaukee has done for a couple of years now. Take away the rim. Pelicans clearly doing that. But you're going to give up three-point shots if you're doing that because you're packing the paint. And that's what the Pelicans are doing right now. And you're hoping that you can play stout defense out there on the perimeter to at least contest those. But it, it doesn't really work that way. So the Pelicans are giving up about 43-point attempts per game, 39.7. It's 27th in the league, so they are fourth worst there. Teams are shooting 34.5% against the Pelicans from deep over three games. These numbers will shift almost on a night-to-night basis till we get enough games played where they start to even out, so keep that in mind. That is 15th in the league, so neither good nor bad, I think, about just perfectly average. So here's the thing. You're going to give up three-point shots when you pack the paint because most three-point shots are not contested. This happened against the Spurs the other night. The Spurs took threes and they just missed. They were all open looks. They're all going to be open looks. And if you see people diving into some of these numbers, they're just looking at numbers and not really looking at how this works. So if you go to the NBA stats site and you look at the contested shot data, it is not very reliable. So let me explain that. So the league tracks some of this stuff and they'll give you the distance on closest defender. So number of shots, percentage of shots with a very tight window, which is zero to two feet, two to four feet of space between the shooter and the defender is considered tight. Four to six is open. Six plus feet is wide open. Here's the thing. Why some of this stuff is not that useful. So don't look at these too much. There is a way to read into these though. Zero to two feet, it's just tagging someone as close to them. That defender could have their back to the shooter, not contesting it whatsoever, but it's going to get marked as a tight shot or a contested shot, but they're not actually contesting it. To that shooter, the dude may as well not exist, even though they're two feet away from him. There's no way that it's really impacting that. So keep that in mind. The other thing with this is, You rarely see tightly contested three-point shots. That's not really a thing that exists in the league. The team that does the best job doing tightly defended three-point shots, or I don't know, like making that a thing, defending that way, are the Houston Rockets. You want to know how many times they tightly defend a three-point shot? Once per game. 
That's it. That's the best in the league. Most three-point shots, when you think about it, it's a catch and shoot. You kick it out, the guy's wide open, and they launch it. Or they come off the screen, they've got some space, they shoot it. Two to four feet, Houston Rockets, again, are doing this the most at nine times per game. It's not like this happens a whole lot. The majority of shots uh, in terms of three-pointers that teams take are open or wide open. What's useful about this is it just means you're nowhere close to the dude. I trust that number because no one's around you. But if you see a team that's good at contesting three-point shots, you've got to get to the film and really see if that's happening. The Pelicans are giving up wide open looks. And they lost the game to the Miami Heat because of this. But what they're doing is something good about this. I'll explain that coming into the next segment and why I don't think this is necessarily a variance thing and the Pelicans are going to eventually get burned by this, at least not yet. That's coming up here in just a second. Before we do that, today's show is brought to you by betonline.ag. The NFL season is finishing up. The playoff picture is becoming clear. NBA season is well underway right now. We still have some big bowl games left, and there's only one place that has you covered and one place I trust if you want to get in on the action, and that's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. That is like winning a bet already. They've got NFL games of the week, the top college football bowl games and any current line you really are thinking about so don't sit on the sideline anymore get in on the action make these games more interesting while you're watching and don't forget use that promo code locked on to receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts so betting on the nba nfl or college bowl season doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy q and handicapping expert lee sterling of paramount sports get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wagers subscribe to the locked on bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts and i'm serious about locked on bets they've made me a bunch of money so far Okay, so we're talking about the three-point defense. I'm going to make this a little bit quick so we can get into the rotation stuff here in just a second and then preview tonight's game. And I know we said we were going to talk about Lonzo Ball today. We'll talk about him tomorrow. Just so much going on once I really dove into the numbers of the defense and started watching some of the film. So the Pelicans give up a lot of open three-point shots, like all three-point shots are. However, they're giving up more than other teams through these first three games. Keep that sample size of games played in mind. About 40 per game. So here's the thing and why this defense can work. You would think you're giving up wide open threes, you're going to get killed, right? It kind of happened on Christmas Day. Duncan Robinson went off. The Bucks do this, yet they've never made it to the NBA Finals, so is it that good? It's a, very, it's, it's a valid question. So the way you make this defense work is you let shooters who aren't amazing three-point shooters do the damage. You try and limit guys like Duncan Robinson, which didn't happen. You try and... Make it so that average to below average three-point shooters are the ones taking the shots. And when you look at the Pelicans and the shots against them so far, they're kind of doing it. Duncan Robinson's an outlier, and that was a mistake, and the Pelicans probably need to go in with a different game plan against the Miami Heat. Look, the Heat upset the Bucs in the playoffs en route to the NBA Finals, largely because the Bucs couldn't really change their defensive strategy. But Kyle Lowry took nine shots against the Pel- uh, nine three point attempts against the Pelicans. You have other guys like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Lonnie Walker took five the other night, Myers Leonard five, Aaron Baines four, Goran Dragic four, OG Ananobi took four. You can kind of go down the list. Rudy Gay, Avery Bradley, DeMar DeRozan took three. Though this is just above the break threes, not even counting corner threes. When you look at some of the shooting percentages of those guys. 
like you're fine with it. You know, if one of those guys gets stupidly hot and goes off and beats you like, okay, sure. Some of them are fine three point shooters. Some of them are just about average three point shooters. That's what you're looking for. None of these guys shoot above 40% from three. Fred Van Vliet last season, 35%. Um, Kyle Lowry, as I wait for the stats to load because my internet's going slow as I'm talking to you guys and trying to stall. Okay, here we go. Kyle Lowry shoots 36.6% for his career. Uh, Lonnie Walker shoots... Okay, he's actually a good three-point shooter, 41.4%. You can kind of go on. Rudy Gay, career, 34.6% shooter. He shot 33.6% last season. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is a 30.9% career three-point shooter. If these are the guys that are taking threes, you might be giving up a lot of them, but you'll live with that. And if, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge made six threes in a game and beats you, like, okay, you kind of shrug. The defensive strategy was sound. It does not work against certain teams, as we saw against the Miami Heat. And you probably need to go in with a different strategy and not give up, um, you know, a ton of three-pointers to maybe the best three-point shooter in the league in Duncan Robinson. But that's what the Pelicans are doing here. And that's why you're seeing a lot of threes and a lot of open threes but those guys aren't normally making tons and tons of threes, and maybe they're not in a rhythm yet game. So yes, you get a three point late in the situation, uh, late in the game. Are you gonna make it? If it's thirty percent less than that, like you're gonna be happy with that. That's the game, the strategy that the Pelicans are employing. So there you go. So I do want to touch on the rotation. We'll, we'll try and make things quick because I've gone a little long in today's show. But here's the question that I have: We've seen that. Jackson Hayes, and I was very critical of him yesterday, and deservedly so, was bad. He played 17 minutes. Stan Van Gundy said he needs to get these guys in a rhythm a little bit more, so he's playing them more minutes. You know what? He's smart. I think eight guys is probably going to be a little too short, and you're going to burn some of these guys out, along with, you know, having three-hour practices and things like that on your, you know, days where you're not playing games. I don't know how sustainable that is. Maybe he's just trying to get guys in a rhythm early on. But it's one thing I'm looking at, and it's like, yeah, maybe this is a problem. But the Pelicans are trying to balance development and trying to win games. And maybe it's not the easiest thing to do. Is Jackson Hayes going to really improve if he's not out there playing? You know what? I don't like the argument that that's the only way to develop guys. It's dumb. It's not. You see get plenty of guys who don't get out there and play 30 minutes per game and play poorly and cost your team wins when, you know, and then hope that they blossom into something. What if he doesn't? You know, then you've hurt yourself kind of doubly bad too. And if it's about development, then why isn't Nikhil Alexander-Walker playing? There's some contradictions there. Now, part of it is that there's it's heavier guard rotation than it is in the front court. But Jackson Hayes is not giving you quality minutes and will be a reason the Pelicans lose games that they should win. This game the other night was much closer than it should have been because of those minutes that Jackson Hayes played. I think you need to cut some of that down, coach him up in practice, and then give him another shot when maybe he's going to be better ready for it because he is not ready right now. I also think they do need to maybe go a little bit deeper in the bench and probably give Nikhil Alexander-Walker some minutes. I get what they're doing, but good teams have found a way to win. And look, the Pelicans did, and it hasn't become a problem just yet. And maybe they're top-heavy enough to over overcome sort of the, this situation, though I think this will catch up to them against teams that are better than the San Antonio Spurs, who are right around the Pelicans' level. But you're going to lose to teams even slightly better than this kind of middle of the pack in the Western Conference. But good teams have found a way to develop talent while not playing them a ton of minutes and also still winning games. And the Pelicans have not found that balance just yet. And I'm saying this after they won a game. 
But if you watched it, you saw how bad he was. And there are other ways for him to develop or send him and give him some time in the G League. But they're kind of thin in the front court, and I don't know if that's a realistic possibility for the team this season. But it's something that the Pelicans are going to need to try and balance. They're, they're trying to win now. We know they're trying to win now. They should be winning now. When you have Brandon Ingram, who just won Player of the Week in the Western Conference, you're not going through a rebuild, and you're not going through that much development. It's just not the timeline. And that's kind of where the Pelicans are right now in trying to kind of straddle the best of both of these worlds. And it's certainly not an easy task, but I can understand the argument for why Jackson Hayes is seeing 17 minutes per game. But if they start to lose because of this, that better change. They got lucky and won last night. Maybe it'll happen the same tonight in upcoming games because it's the Oklahoma City Thunder. You should beat them, even though they're a bit of a surprise. You've beaten Toronto once. Now you get them at home. Maybe you can do it again. And maybe this team is just good up top to win ugly games and close games while trying to develop some of these guys. But what you saw out there from Jackson A's in those 17 minutes, that wasn't development. There was nothing development developmental about that. He was just flat out bad, didn't know where to be, and didn't seem to figure out uh, figure it out as the game went on. So the Pelicans need to try and find the right way to do this, and I'm not convinced they have just yet. Just like I'm not sold on these rotations that Stan Van Gundy is going with. We saw Brandon Ingram seemingly get a little bit tired. Stan Van Gundy said he probably played him a little bit too much, ran the offense through him a little bit too much. If you're running eight guys... That's kind of how it's going to go. So I'm not sold on what we're seeing from the coach and the rotations just yet, but it's also early and they're still trying to figure some things out. So before we get to tonight's game, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Seriously, compare Built Bars to the protein bar you're taking right now. They're going to be better for you. These bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, or even 70 grams of protein, still a lot, and 130 calories so you're not wasting all the cardio that you just did. Plus, these things are really good. I eat one daily, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond, cheesecake, apple almond crisp. These are some of the new flavors they put in. That's not even counting things like coconut almond, raspberry, orange, toffee almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not chalky. They're not dry. You're not going to need to chug a bottle of water down after you have one just to get that taste and dryness out of your mouth. Give them a try and go to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on. You're going to get 20% off your first order, your next order too, because if you've used that promo code before, it's working again because they reset it. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON to receive 20% off your next order. So there's a lot of news coming around the league on a daily basis. Big games you might have missed because of those pesky late-night West Coast games. Never miss a thing with the Locked On NBA podcast. Rotating cast of hosts breaking down all the action in the league the night before, plus the biggest stories every Monday on what happened in the past week. It's a one-stop shop for everything you need to know around the association. No paywalls there. Five days a week and free for you all. I co-host the Wednesday edition, so you'll hear me on there tomorrow. So give it a listen and subscribe to Locked on NBA wherever you get your podcasts. So it's a game day for your New Orleans Pelicans as they take on the Phoenix Suns on TNT late game tonight. So we're going to be up late watching this one. I'll be there right, right alongside all of you and then recording right after. This is an interesting game. Phoenix is pretty decent. They obviously added Chris Paul after a pretty great run in the bubble where they went undefeated and Devin Booker kind of became the star of the league. Two and one this season with a win over 
the uh, Sacramento Kings on the second night of a back-to-back. They played that weird doubleheader in Sacramento, losing the first game. Close, but winning the second game big time. They also beat the Dallas Mavericks on opening night for them. They've looked okay at times. They're clearly still trying to figure a couple things out, but they're led by Devin Booker. 23 points per game. He's been great for them. Chris Paul's chipping in 13 and 10, um, but they don't have a lot of depth, I don't think. They have one guy off the bench in Cameron Johnson who's been really good for them so far this year. Almost 15 points per game off the bench in meaningful minutes. If the Pelicans don't If their depth doesn't shine through for New Orleans and Josh Hart's going to probably draw a big chunk of this assignment, they're going to get burned and they're going to lose the bench points battle, which could doom them. But the starters are better because they're not getting a ton out of DeAndre Ayton. He's given them 11 and 12 per game. They probably need more scoring from him, I think, and he just hasn't been able to get it done. Devin Booker has been turning the ball over an absolute ton. And for a New Orleans team that's been very active with their hands in Lonzo Ball in Zion Williamson when teams kind of drive into him, that could be a big problem. Devin Booker is averaging 6.3 turnovers per game. So if New Orleans is able to really get into him and knock the ball loose, this could be a tough night for him and the rest of the Phoenix Suns team while giving New Orleans some really easy transition points, and they love that sort of thing. In terms of three-point attempts, Phoenix is taking a lot, but they are not falling. They're not a great three-point shooting team right now, shooting just 33%. New Orleans might give up. A ton of open looks in this one, but it's like we talked about in the first segment, in the second segment. If it's to guys that aren't great three-point shooters, you live with that. Devin Booker this season, 32% from three. Chris Paul, just 20%. Jay Crowder is shooting 24%. Those are the guys you want to try and beat you. Frank Comiskey is shooting 33%. Numbers are early. They might level out a little bit, and maybe you don't want to jump to conclusions on them, but you get the idea. Let non-shooters take those three-point shots because you're going to see those opportunities aplenty for the Phoenix Suns. So keep an eye on that and try and contain McCall Bridges in this one a little bit. He has been pretty good to start the year with 16 points per game as well. I don't know. It's exciting to watch Chris Paul and Devin Booker in the backcourt. I haven't really watched this just yet. Um, So I'm excited to see this game tonight. This should be a good test of if the Pelicans three-point strategy of giving up a lot of looks without really doing a whole lot to make life difficult for the opponent is really going to work. The Phoenix, who's not a great three-point shooting team, like buries them under a barrage of three-pointers. Yeah, I might get nervous about this just a little bit, but we'll see in the game tonight. I can't wait to watch it. Um, And we'll be back tomorrow to recap the game. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Here Monday through Friday for you all, the only daily show breaking down everything you want to know about the team. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.